John, are you ready for some football? Here we go, Andrew. College football got started already. The NFL is getting into gear. And we have the big get this week, Mark Ingram II. And John, some breaking news. I officially became a sports writer this weekend. And we're back. The Marshan and Oran Sports Media Podcast. I'm Andrew Marshan, sports media columnist for the New York Post. He's John Oran, the media reporter for the Sports Business Journal. Andrew, breaking news. You saw the boss. Welcome to the club. Yeah, it was great. I mean, I've never seen him before. Uh, for those who don't know, baseball writers especially love the boss. Uh, always are tweeting about when they go see him. I'd never seen him before. Uh, went to Foxborough, stayed at the Antonino Inn. Uh, and so it was a good time. Uh, he is great at 73. Really good performance. So, Andrew, you went to see Taylor Swift earlier this year. Bruce Springsteen just last weekend. Who's better? I know uh, Bruce. Better. I'll go Bruce. I mean, look, Taylor <laughs> Swift was amazing. Um, that was just happenstance. Uh, daughter got had an extra ticket and went. Uh, she They lucked out and got a lottery ticket um, and got to see Taylor Swift. She was amazing, but I mean, I'm more of a Bruce guy. I, of course, I saw Bruce when he came through at D.C., he just gets up and sings. He didn't talk. He just one hit after the other. After It was a great show. All right, John, let's get to it. Who's up? Who's down? All right, I'm going to start us off, Andrew. My who's up is Patrick Crum, and he's the RSN president at Warner Brothers Discovery Sports. As we know, we've talked about a ton. Warner Brothers Discovery Sports is getting out of the RSN business. It's a topic that we're going to do later on in the pod. So why am I giving my who's up? To the guy overseeing the, the this company getting out of the RSN business, it's because by all accounts, and this is what I want to focus on on the who's up, he's doing it the right way. You will not find too many people at MLB, the NBA, the NHL that have a bad thing to say about Crum. He's done a deal to keep the Pittsburgh RSN afloat with uh, Fenway Sports Group. He's close to a deal to keep the Houston RSN afloat with the Astros and with, with the Rockets. He's likely closing the Denver RSN. That's, that hasn't been official yet, but he's given the Rockies plenty of notice about where they can find a new home and how to find a new home. When I talk with league executives, they contrast Crum with Diamond Sports all the time. Diamond Sports, of course, runs all the Bally Sports RSNs. Diamond's gone into bankruptcy. It's threatened to withhold payments from several teams. It's tried to negotiate lower deals with existing contracts. Diamond, going all the way back to Chris Ripley of Sinclair, has not made any friends at the league level. Crum and Warner Brothers Discovery Sports have, even though they're exiting, and I think that's worth worth noting. All right, that's definitely good, and we'll have to talk about that issue a little bit more late in the podcast. All right, my who's up, Kevin Connors. Studio host, does some play-by-play, been on SportsCenter for a long time. He just signed a new multi-year deal with ESPN. When he's done with the contract, he'll have been there nearly two decades. And I'm not going to say it's um, one of the great accomplishments in ESPN's history, but it's a pretty amazing accomplishment when you think about what has gone on in terms of layoffs over the last 10 years, the second half of what Connors has done. And the thing that makes Connors great is that he doesn't make it about himself. He makes it about 
what he's covering, um, which is what ESPN always says it wants to do. Um, and it's good to see that in this time when they're making cuts and they're making a lot of moves, that they recognize someone of Connor's ability um, who's become kind of a, you know, I'm not going to say Bob Lee type, but just someone who is just so reliable and so good every time and makes the people around him better. So my who's up, Kevin Connors. I'm going to go with a who's down, and my who's down is going to be Rob Manfred, and it all circles back to this Apple deal on Friday nights where Apple has exclusive Friday night baseball, and this past Friday night, that game was a hot game. It was the Dodgers at the Red Sox, and it marked Mookie Betts' return to Boston. So if you're a fan of the Red Sox and you've invested in this team all season long, watching on Nesson, maybe Fox here and there, all of a sudden for a game that they really cared about to see somebody, a player that they really cared about, they had to shell out an extra payment, figure out how to get Apple TV Plus and, and watch it there. I'm going to quote the Boston Globe's Pete Abraham, who said, while business is business and MLB needs to give Apple TV good games, Red Sox fans are quote unquote getting hosed with the game not being on Nesson. Abraham added that the Red Sox had no recourse, of course. It was, it's an MLB decision. But he says, and I agree with this, the league should have recognized that this game was unique and done something about it in the Boston market. We had that same issue last year with Aaron Judge uh, when he was going for 61 and it became an Apple game. And it became a whole issue. Yeah, and in fact, you had it in your own market. Right? Ron Darling uh, was uh, public talking about how he wasn't able to figure out how to see the Mets angels games on P on Peacock over the weekend as well. Games are everywhere and you have to download all the different apps and pay for these new services. This situation is really not fan friendly. Ryan, if you had texted me, I could have helped you out. I would have helped you get on. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I don't know if I can share my, can you share your passwords on that one? I don't know if I'm allowed to do that. Well, um, crazy thing that. though is SNY is partly owned by NBC. It's like he, he, he had resources to, to walk him through that. Come on. He's, he's become big enough. He can do that. John, my who's down is CBS's Tony Roma. The reason he did an interview with the athletics, Richard Deitch, he talked about the criticism that he and Jim Nance have taken. And the thing I thought that I didn't like is that there's no acknowledgement that the broadcast has not been as good as it was when they first started. You know, he mentioned that people write stories for clicks, um, didn't get into specifics. I would love to know which stories specifically he was speaking about, but I know for one, I've been critical. I also gave Romo a lot of praise at the beginning. There's been a difference in their broadcast. And I think one of the issues that if it's going to get better is that they have to recognize that there needs to be improvement. The chemistry hasn't been good. Romo has seemed unprepared. And so when you go into the season and you read comments like that, where there's kind of no acknowledgement that things haven't been good. And I think people at CBS, I think they're aware that the broadcast needs to be better. It's a Super Bowl year. Um, and so I'm just trying to help. I mean, that's the thing, John, as you know, I'm just here to help. Um, and so I, I think the chemistry hasn't been as good and they're going to be an interesting watch this year because it is a Super Bowl year um, and they have not been as good as they were when they first started. And so you'd, you'd want to see like, you know what, I've learned some things. I'm going to do some things differently. And it seems more of like, nope, everything's hunky dory. Everything's perfect. Um, when I don't believe that's the case. Andrew, we've done this pod for two years 
And one of the things that I love about doing the pod with you is that you're always just trying to help people. That's great. Help me help you. I'm glad you did that. I'm sure CBS appreciates it. I'm a giver. I'm a giver. <laughs> it's the gift that keeps on giving the whole year. Romo is a good entryway to our topic number one, Andrew, which is football, uh, particularly college football. We had week zero, which I don't quite get, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it because I think it's funny. We have week zero that started last week. Uh, Notre Dame played Navy over in Dublin, got a BAFO ratings over there. We have NBC starting its uh, Big Ten deal. This year, CBS with its last year of the SEC coming. What what are some of the storylines that you're looking at from a sports media standpoint this college football season? Well, first, you know, I want to address week zero. Yeah, that is silly. Like, why is it week zero? Years ago, when the Mets and SNY were just starting off, uh, they were hiring their play-by-play guy. And they were looking at uh, Dave O'Brien and Gary Cohen. And they tried to get Dave O'Brien. He he was the first choice. Then they got Gary Cohen, and it's been a legendary crew. And their PR guy at the time, Andrew Fergersi, who's now at Fox Sports, his big thing was, we used to argue about this, they were one in 1A. And I'm like, there's no one in 1A. Like, how can they be one? There's one in two. You can you only even say 1A and 1B because exactly. it's one in one. So that's the same thing as uh, week zero. So there's only one week one just because not all the teams start. Uh, it's like a, it's a weird thing. So yeah, why, why you, well, you asked the question. So I want Chris Mason to answer it. Why is it week zero? Yeah. The numbers all go to 11. These go to 11. Chris Mason, master of the board coming through again. Look, it's college football is very interesting this year because we've been talking about realignment. Um, a lot of it's been predicated about television. When you look at uh, this year, a lot of it starts. Uh, NBC is going to have a new primetime package with the Big Ten. CBS gets involved. They have their last year of the SEC. And also, something to point out, this predated the pod, but when ESPN first got it, there are a lot of thoughts that CBS would sell the last couple of years back to ESPN. That never happened. Um, so CBS ends their SEC affiliation and also has uh, the Big Ten. Um, and then ESPN, um, you know, has no Big Ten for the first time in 30 Decades. years. Yeah. So uh, you look at it last weekend, week, week zero, um, the big news probably broadcasting wise, Noah Eagle uh, did the game in Ireland um, in place of Jack Collinsworth. NBC got a good one. I mean, I think we already knew this from his Nick work, um, from if you listen to any Clippers radio uh, work, uh, and then Fox Sports last year, Noah Eagles, they, they got a good one. I think when the, he's going to be doing the Big Ten package, um, he's not going to be, you know, he'll be on primetime with Todd Blackledge, uh, but kind of a nice little soft intro for him in terms of the national scene on NBC uh, and did real well in pinch hitting duties for Jack Collinsworth. Hopefully he feels better and is back. Um, but that's the first thing. Those storylines are the first ones to watch. You're not going to see it a lot this season because CBS still has uh, its last season with the SEC. But one of the things I'm going to be looking at is how these uh, networks play what play in the same sandbox together. Because one of the things that the Big Ten is really interested in doing is having uh, big Fox's big noon Saturday lead into uh, CBS's uh, you know three thirty window, which will then lead into NBC's primetime game. Uh, how how well they play as they do that, it's going to be really interesting to see because the Big Ten is not the NFL, 
And it's not the NBA, which has Turner and, and ESPN all working together. So is this something that, you know, the rising tide lifts all boats and, and they do that? The other thing I'm, I'm interested in seeing, and this is where my fandom comes in as a, as, a Mar- as a Maryland fan, there are two games, two Maryland games on Peacock, a game at Ohio State and I think a game against Illinois. How is this going to increase? Because you can bet if you're a Maryland football fan, you have to subscribe to Peacock, two, two of the 11 games or how many ever they play are, are going to be on, on Peacock. That happens across the Big Ten. How is this deal going to increase the number of subscribers uh, at Peacock? And that's something that uh, I'm, I'm definitely looking to see. Yeah, my sense is on number one, it have been good to make calls before, but I have a feeling it's kind of like when you watch an NBA game on Turner, they promote you know all the games of the week that are on ESPN and vice versa with ESPN. I think that's probably what you're going to see just because I just think it makes sense for them, uh, for CBS and NBC and Fox to kind of try to build that up and promote the games each week to if they're trying to accomplish what you said to make it that NFL feel, which they've kind of set up with that. Um, and I think... That is a huge thing that you've mentioned, though. The Peacock one game, you're going to see that with SEC more. We've already seen this. You see it with soccer, with the Premier League, with some games on USA, some games on NBC, some games on Peacock. Um, And uh, I think that is going to send a lot of people into an uproar because, you know, for people like us, I I don't take it for granted, but we have, like, basically everything because it's what we do. Uh, But, you know, most people have budgets. And for one game, do they want to do it? Does it annoy people? Uh, you talked about the issue on your who's down um, with Apple and the Red Sox. That's just going to become more and more prevalent. And the sports fans going to get squeezed. You want to watch all the games. It's going to cost you or you're going to have to figure out things. It's not going to be as easy as just when you had cable TV. It's not like you can subscribe and then unsubscribe because you're going to have to do that multiple times because then basketball season comes and who knows how many Maryland basketball games are going to be on Peacock that I'm going to have, have to get, get that service to, to watch. So it does add in an expense for me that's already paying for cable and is, uh, you know, prepared to watch it over broadcast. Last thing for me on the college is the pregame shows, uh, college game day. David Pollock was let go as part of the layoffs. Pat McAfee joined last year. It becomes a bigger part. Um, they add Stanford, Steve, um, who, you know, goes into the spot that was formerly Bear, Chris Alika. I'm not sure if he's going to be offset, how it's going to work exactly, um, if it's going to be a similar setup that they had in the past um, with the Bear. Um, but Bear's now with uh, Fox Sports. Fox Sports loves these ESPN people. Uh, now ESPN's going back and taking – that's like a little war. We'll get to that in a more with the talk shows in a second. And then the new pregame shows, NBC's going to have a new pregame show. Uh, they already started. They had one week already, week zero. Um, but Maria Taylor's hosting that as well as Sunday Night Football. Uh, so, yeah, a lot to watch, a lot of new things because of the new deals. Um, we get a lot of things, but I do think that digital component uh, is going to be something that is going to be a big deal for college fans as we go forward. And they have to pay for one game and a lot of times not even a great game. Um, so uh, and that would be interesting and what impact it has on those streaming services. Hey, let's get to topic two, Andrew. Uh, Undisputed versus first take. Uh, we haven't talked about them a ton on the pod, but over the past couple of weeks with uh, it's not quite the free agency frenzy that we had with the NFL booths of uh, last year, but it's kind of close. Yeah, it's been interesting. A uh, lot of movement. ESPN and Fox going head to head with former Fox people ending up on ESPN, ex-ESPNers ending up on Fox. It's been a little bit of a war and it started this week um, with the new Undisputed uh, and 
uh, Skip Bayless, joined by Keyshawn Johnson, Richard Sherman, Michael Irvin. Uh, you know, you got to give them some time uh, to to get the show right. The one thing that stood out for me, there's no moderator. So Skip was kind of the quarterback. And sometimes, at least the first show, second show, um, it seemed a little bit better. They obviously adjusted a little bit, and you'll see where they go from there. But with four voices, first show, Skip was sort of kind of in the background a little bit, and he's more of a shooting guard, not a point guard. And I know they do that in other shows, but you know maybe Keyshawn moves into that spot a little bit more. I think he could do it. Michael Irvin is loud, and he was you know, very gunned up. He hadn't been on the air since the Super Bowl and the incident um, where he was suspended by the NFL and hadn't been on the air since. He was ready to go. But it is entertaining television um, in terms of um, as pumped up as you see these Hall of Fame caliber players or Pro Bowl and Super Bowl winning caliber players getting. Uh, so I thought that was good. And then, of course, on the other side, you have Shannon Sharp. It's going to be two days a week uh, with Stephen A. Smith uh, on first take. That's going to start soon. Um, last week we talked about it. We had Stephen A's clip. It turned out was correct. So one for us. Uh, and so, um, yeah, so I think that's interesting. Look, those shows aren't really for me necessarily. Like I check them out because it's part of the job. Um, but I mean, they're entertainment and I, I don't think the crew that they put together, I think it's a pretty good, pretty good choices, uh, for undisputed. And then I thought Shannon had built something. So him and Stephen A, but I will say this, I wrote this in my newsletter, Stephen A and Skip are still a tag team. Like, I know, like, I contributed to this along with Ryan Glassbeagle, uh, my colleague at the Post, because we've had um, a lot of stories about it. But, you know, they kind of ramped it up with, like, kind of acting like they're building NBA teams. Uh, and, like, <laughs> you know, and it's kind of fun. It's silly and sort of stupid, but fun in the same light. It, it makes it seem more important. Uh, and I also don't think, look, I don't agree with a lot of Skip's things. Some of his takes I find really silly. Um, but I also don't think he's ending, like, the free world. By you know saying LeBron doesn't have a clutch gene, I mean, do I agree? No, is it kind of silly? Yes, but um, I think it's a little bit of overreaction sometimes to these shows. It's like don't watch. Like if I didn't do this, I would never watch those shows. I mean, I only watch sparingly. I don't always. I I, I check clips out this week. I turned it on specifically, um, and then I check things out every once in a while because it's part of the job. But like I would never turn this on if I wasn't covering sports media. I got involved with a couple of these uh, uh, news breaks. It went through Twitter like a wildfire. Like when when you, we talked about Rachel Nichols as being a contributor, like I'm still get, getting that tweet sort of retweeted in my mentions. Uh, you know, when I inter interviewed Charlie Dixon about sort of the changes going on at-, at uh, I didn't at, give you your due. I will say I didn't give you your due when I was mentioning Glass. You did, I did, and I did text you, you want in. Yeah. I did text you that. <laughs> Thank, thank you, Andrew. You're on vacation that week, so I appreciate that. I said, do you thank want you in on this stuff? Because, all right, we invite, invite you into the ring. But I, I, I will say that, that the amount of ink that is spilled on these two shows versus – I should do this, actually, because I'm making a mathematical equation – versus the amount of viewers they get or even about the interest that ESPN and, and Fox have in these shows. I mean, ESPN – is interested in the live games and the pre and post games. I will take my hat off to Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless because they have created these franchises that for, for mid mornings that don't get a ton of viewership, but get a ton of press. But I do think they make money, number one, and millions. Uh, that's one thing. And I also think it's because it's a function of it being during the week, during the day. It's every day. They're talking about stuff. I mean, when it makes news, 
when, you know, we do a lot of rewrites, a lot of people do, um, it's, you know, usually because they're saying something outlandish, you know, there's some kind of thing happens. Uh, and so that's, you know, it's part of it. Um, and I will say, though, the one thing that is you can't deny players react like especially NBA guys. They seem to react a lot. Um, you know, they don't really talk about baseball, football. Sometimes football players do. Obviously, Richard Sherman and Skip Bayless 11 years ago had a big incident. I mean, so they're part of the sports like sphere, like they're part of the the conversation. Uh, and you can deny that. But the players watch, too. Like they're interested, not all of them, but they're interested in what's going on. And so um, and it's probably a lot of clips. You could argue that, like, would they be better with outside the lines? I know that's been said many times. Yeah, I mean, that's journalism. But people don't didn't watch outside the lines enough. That's the issue. Like, if you're programming saying, like, well, they should put outside the lines on. I liked outside the lines. I think they do good work. And they'd still do good work within SportsCenter. But it didn't draw. So that's why you're not going to have it on as much. Yeah, let me be clear. I'm not calling for like a, a change. Mid morning is death on TV. You're not going to get a lot of viewers. People are at work, so they're not actually watching it. So it's less about like, boy, they should have a show that I want to watch here because the odds are mid morning I'm not going to be watching regardless. I'm because I have a job to do. All right, let's get into what is a battle royale in your breadbasket dealing with the business side of the ratings and what is going on with Amazon, uh, Nielsen, the NFL, where uh, Nielsen is going to use Amazon's first party data. Um, some people say data data of their um, <laughs> for their ratings. And so ESPN, Fox Sports, among others, are up in arms about this. Now, I want to kitchen table this for me. Like, First off, John, I'm put you on the spot here. And if you don't say it, I'll just say it. But who is really res behind all of this? That's a good question, actually. Uh, 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 the NFL has to be. I, no, I know the NFL say, has I know to you be. want to say the NFL, but Amazon is a big company, too, that Nielsen wants to curry favor with. I think that this is uh, – and Amazon is going to bristle at this, but it is Amazon and the NFL sort of pushing this forward. For what I write about, uh, look, ratings are arcane, and we, we generally don't like to talk about them too much, except for uh, Carp's Corner that comes out here. But this is a story about the networks who are fighting the NFL uh, publicly. We had um, uh, Flora Kelly of ESPN and Mike Mulvihill of Fox going on, on Twitter and publicly saying, like, this is a bad deal. Fighting uh, The network's fighting with Amazon. It's a unique story, and I think... My interest in it lies in that there's a perception of the networks that the NFL is tipping the scales in favor of Amazon. This deal, as it moves forward, is going to result in Amazon increasing its uh, the number of viewers that it gets for Thursday Night Football by, uh, th there are different numbers out there, but generally about by about 9%, 9-10% or so. So it's not doubling the number of viewers, but it's a it's a pretty significant uh, increase. Um, there are ad sales components to it. There's a lot of ego at play. ESPN has the you know they're dealing with a falling subscriber base for cable, and all of a sudden now they're ha they're having to match up against Amazon, who's able to self-report their own numbers. Uh, and so the the networks are really opposed to doing this, um, not in perpetuity. But right now, and they feel that the NFL in particular is really pushing this through too fast. They point to uh, out-of-home metrics where 
they, they never used to be able to count those right away. Like if you were watching a game at a bar, that, that wouldn't be counted. You know, you had to be sort of sitting in front of your television. It took Nielsen years to incorporate that. And, and they, when they, they finally did and everybody was happy with it. This, if you talk to the network folks, is being rushed through. It's being rushed through to help one of the NFL's partners and, and they don't like it one bit. If you talk to the NFL, they're going to say, we're just trying to make changes and make it better. And we're trying to make it better for everybody. So Amazon can self-report its streaming numbers. So can Peacock. So can Paramount Plus. So can, and Peacock, by the way, is going to have an NFL playoff game on it. So it's going to be it's going to end up benefiting from it as well. And, and so the NFL is saying we're trying to move this forward. And even if it's moving forward in a way that that uh, the perception is that, that, that it's not equal. That's what they're trying to do. It's an arcane topic, but it, it is a fun story about the NFL versus the networks versus Amazon. Yeah, and I thought Millville, um, you know, exec at Fox Sports, he had a good point in kind of the words you use also. Um, when you start saying words like curring favor with the people you're supposed to sort of be reporting on, I don't think that's good. Right. That's not the you used the word. He didn't use the word curring favor, but he said you don't want to take sides, you know, for the, their value is their reputation and being the arbiter of of what is right and fair. And I could see why they're up in arms. NFL clearly wants Amazon to work. Um, and that's why it's smart by Amazon doing the deal like with that. Right. Like, are they as invested in Google working? Maybe. Um, YouTube, I'm not really sure about that, right? They're building NFL plus. Um, and so I think they really want Amazon to work. Um, and so this is viable in seven to 10 years, um, in terms of, you know, other players wanting to get in on the NFL and for streaming to work and maybe with ESPN plus and Peacock and all these others, where it really makes sense to have the NFL on there. So they really want Amazon to work. And I just think, I don't know if I were to look at it objectively, I don't see, I see more the network side than I do the Amazon NFL Nielsen side of things. Um, I don't see how um, it's fair. If, you know, if it's not just, again, or like Nielsen's system needs to be better, right? Like why can't they get as accurate a thing? And, and maybe that's the, at the end of the day, you know, and I guess you can't self-report, but they have the first party data and maybe that is better if you can verify it. Um, and that's probably not good for Nielsen. So maybe that's why they want to kind of see to the Amazon and allegedly the NFL's wishes. Yeah. Nielsen's system has to get better. That's something that somebody has been saying for at least the past 30 years you know, they, uh, the, with the way that, that they report. One other thing I, I just, before we move on is uh, the NFL, they will say that they're not, not butting in unduly. They're, they would say that They've done this with Nielsen in order to increase their reporting on um, Super Bowls, or uh, they've gone in to increase the reporting on Thanksgiving Day games, uh, you know, when, when you have a lot more people sitting around the television. So it's it's a different sort of reporting. They will say that th this is not unique and unusual. Uh, the TV partners see it differently. John, let's move on to our next topic, something you wrote about the other day uh, in your newsletter, the RSNs, the thing that you talked about at the you know turn of the year, how this is going to be a huge issue. It continues to be one kitchen table for us, where we're going with this and what it means. All right. So this is a unique deal. And you can go on, read the story at sportsbusinessjournal.com to, to, to see what's happening. Uh, basically, Warner Brothers Discovery Sports is getting out of the RSN business. 
it has a deal with Fenway Sports Group to take over the Pittsburgh RSN. Uh, it's close to a deal with the Rockets and with the Astros to have them t- uh, take over the uh, Houston RSN. What's up in, up in the air right now is what happens to the Pittsburgh Pirate rights and what happens to the Colorado Rockies rights. And for me, that is, I'm going to be looking at these hard because that is the future of where everything is going. We, we've talk, been talking a lot about the diamond sports collapse. Uh, MLB has taken over the rights in San Diego for the Padres, the rights in Phoenix for the Diamondbacks. Um, are they going to continue to amass these rights? Uh, are the, uh, are the, the Rockies, they could go to altitude, which is another RSN in, in Denver and the pirates, they could sign with Fenway and just say, we want to stay on the, the local RSN in Pittsburgh. But the main point that's coming out of this for me is that fans of the pirates and the Rockies and really any baseball team next season will be able to watch the games in almost an identical manner of, to the way they're going to watch it, uh, that they're watching it this year. Uh, so it might be on a different channel, but you're going to be able to see it on an over uh, on a television station. Most likely you're going to see a streaming service come out for, for e- either one of them as well. So if you have cut the cord, this is where we're going. It's uh, everybody's been talking about the hybrid. There's going to be uh, traditional linear television. There's going to be direct to consumer. And that's going to be sort of the way forward until one drops too far, or one becomes too too popular. Last thing I want to ask you about this. Now, I know you said that it's more likely that the Pirates go with MLB. They get 80% of the money in the near term and then figure it out from there. But if they did go with the Fenway Sports Group, is it at all awkward or bad that the Fenway Sports Group owns the Red Sox and now would own the rights to the Pirates games? It doesn't seem kosher to me. It doesn't, unless you take a look at what they've done with with Nesson. Nesson is one of the uh, best-run RSNs in the country, uh, an independent RSN in, in Boston. The Fenway Sports Group, they know how to run an RSN. So, and and there is precedent. I don't know. I think, I mean, I'm sure they do a great job. I really don't know what type of job they do. But I, I think, like, you and I might be able to sell games in that area. I mean, you have rabid fans for the Red Sox, the Celtics, the Bruins. (laughs) And, you know, obviously they don't have the rights to the Patriots, but I mean, that is like, you could argue that is the, for for professional sports, that is the most passionate, loyal fan base. Every writer there has like, is on TV. Like, I don't know. I feel like that is a special market and Pittsburgh, they do love their penguins. Um, And maybe you're right. Maybe they have some magic. Now, there are people who are smarter than everybody or who are the smartest and are the best executives in TV and in everything. But I also do think that most people are are smart as the hand they have, like the Joe Torre theory. He had three jobs before he became the Yankee manager. When he got Derek Jeter and Marion Rivera and that whole crew, he went to the Hall of Fame. Was he better manager at the end of his career? Maybe, but I think it had more to do with the players he had. So they might be great at it. I'm not sure if that business necessarily works in Pittsburgh, um, and I love Pittsburgh, uh, as it does in Boston. Yeah, and, and there is a bad precedent that's set in my market where the Orioles control the Nationals' TV rights, and that, that's mm. been a, a bone of contention between those teams, and it's really set up a rivalry between those teams. John, one new segment 
uh, in the program. I think maybe we've done it once before. Mando mailbag. Mando mailbag. Mailbags? What do you got? You, this you know is what? John's idea. What do we got here? We have three pieces of mail that I want to get to. One is from Hal in Baltimore. Uh, Hal's a friend of mine, his sports media connection. He goes to the same gym as Jason Gay of the Wall Street Journal. Hal is a big tennis fan. He was looking forward to watching the U.S. Open on ESPN. He texted me and he said, Chris Fowler is leaving not once, not twice, but three times during the tournament to do college football games. I won't miss him, but what's the message being sent? He's even going to miss the women's final. So that, that, that was Hal. What, what do you have to say about that, Andrew? Yeah, I mean, it's not ideal. Um, they do like Fowler on tennis and college football. They signed him to a new deal. Uh, but two-week tournament, uh, you would think you could, you know, it's not his fault. They, they want to use him all this, these different ways. Uh, but it probably makes sense to either do one or the other. Either miss the college football games, have someone else do it. Uh, they have a lot of play-by-players. They could move up, some who are better than Fowler. So, yeah, it doesn't seem ideal um, to – to have that, but ESPN had to, you know, want Chris Fowler on all these things. And so, um, uh, that's so how, sorry. I can see you're really upset about this. Uh, item number two, Joe Cochran, who I believe is from an Atlanta suburb, wants CBS to bring back Nick Faldo in place of Trevor Immelman. And he says, quote, not only are Immelman's remarks mundane, but his haircut is atrocious. Well, John, you, I'll let you um, chime in on that because your haircut was at the beginning of the podcast, the big topic conversation <laughs> among my sources. Now you've gotten your the haircut on board. Tell me on Trevor Immelman, what do you think of his haircut? You know, I'm the last person that should comment on somebody's hairstyle. I think it's fine. Compared to mine, I think it's fine. Your hair, your hair looked good. There was a time where it was like long. Like what were you, we didn't know what you are going for. It was like it was early in the podcast. I didn't say anything. Crisis, I, think. I, yes. I would say something. Now. I, I should talk. I I used to have a great uh, curly <laughs> hair. I get old, old pictures. Now got to shave it down. Some people say I'm bold. I don't consider myself bold, but a lot of people do consider me bold. So I'm not uh, qualified to talk on. Uh, anybody's hairstyle. All right, Andrew, let's get the, the final one. You recall a couple of pods ago, I talked about meeting somebody at the Super Bowl who called his fantasy football team, who's down Chris Ripley. Mm. Well, I got an email from Greg Sussman of SportsGrid saying that he was the one who called his fantasy football team, who's down Chris Ripley. He said he didn't win at all, but he certainly had the best team name and he's looking for any other Mando-inspired fantasy team names for 2023. Oh, he's the man. Listen, we don't we don't have any merch. I don't know if we ever will, but if we do, I think the first merchandise has to go to Greg Sussman. That is a loyal <laughs> listener, and we really appreciate him. And for those who don't get it, Mando stands for Marshand and Orand, um, because that's what we call it internally, so the M and O. And so that's how you get to Mando. By the way, we don't have a Mando Hall of Fame yet, but Greg Sussman certainly on the uh, oh yeah, listener Hall of Fame. The, oh, yeah, totally Sussman short in. list. Anybody yeah. with fantasy football name is is in. Joining us now is the big get, Mark Ingram the second. Ingram has replaced Reggie Bush on Fox Sports' big noon kickoff after winning a Heisman, first one ever at Alabama national championship at twelve years in the NFL, then retired as a two time Pro Bowler and the Saints all time leading rusher. Three time Pro Bowler. 
Yeah. yeah you got to tell Wikipedia to get that. You got to update that. You, gotta, you can't you gotta... always trust Wikipedia, man. <laughs> you're right. You're right. You're right. All right. Three, three out of 12 years is pretty good. Yeah. It's, I had it's, you on my... uh, it's, it's decent. It's decent. I had you on my fantasy team. I'm sure you love hearing people tell you about their fantasy team. Yeah, as long me. as they tell them I helped them win, you know, that's better. <laughs> you had you some know? good year. You had some good years for me. The, you're a little yeah. banged up at the end, you know, last couple of years, but uh, you had mm-hmm. some good years for me. So I appreciate it, man. Like, I mean, yeah. I'll send you a check. I want some money. All good. And I'll take a drink or a steak or a Chick-fil-A meal, whatever you got. You send it over. Thank you. Know? Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I want to get into the uh, sports media, Mark. And, and uh, when was it that you decided that you wanted to get, get onto this side of the business? Was, was this something you wanted to do as a kid or did it happen uh, gradually? I remember waking up middle school, high school, watching, you know, college game day, you know, almost every Saturday morning. And then, uh, obviously, I went to college and I studied communications as well. So it's kind of been interested in that field. Like I always love sports, all competitive sports. And so just being a young kid watching NBA finals, watching college game day, watching Super Bowls, watching uh, Olympic track races, um, you know, everything. I just I just loved uh, being involved in sports and hearing like, you know, the broadcasting and the announcers and the pre games and the half times. And I just loved uh I was just kind of always interested in it because I love sports. I love competitive sports. And obviously, I went to college and uh, had some media experience there. Then, obviously, 12 years in the league, just a lot of different opportunities to do media, whether it be car washes at ESPN, Fox, NFL Network, whatever. uh, Different, you know, a variation of different things that I've done in the media. And there's people as well as like, man, you should think about doing this when you're done. Like, you'd be pretty good at it. I'm like, you think so? And. I just kept hearing it from the masses of people. And then, you know, maybe I had a couple viral moments um, that, you know, people got to see my personality and uh, it just kind of all fell into place. It was uh, just a blessing. And, you know, being able to, I think one of the toughest things to do you hear is, you know, transitioning away from the game. And uh, you've been doing something so long, been in a routine. And it was just a blessing for me. It all happened for me at the right time. And I was a free agent this off season and I was getting some calls and, and uh, Fox gives me a call, like, they have a job opening, and would I be interested? And so I was free agent, and I was still training, still getting some calls. I'm like, man, this is an opportunity that I can't pass up. You know, these opportunities at these desks, they don't come around too much. When these when they, when people hold these desks, they hold them for several, several years unless something happens. And um, so the opportunity to be able to trans transition to a great network, to a great show with a great crew, and that has done nothing but show me love and supported me. Ever since I've been a part of the Fox family, it was um, it was an opportunity I, I, I didn't want to miss out on. Yeah, I want to dive into that. So, like, you can still play, right? Of course, 100%. Like, it's, uh, and you can play probably for a couple of years, you think, right? Yeah, my body feels really well, and um, I could definitely – I know I know for a fact, like, I was going to redress playing each year. And at the, at the end of the season, I got healthy. My body was feeling good. I'm like, definitely, definitely uh, – capable and wanted to wanted to play this year but this opportunity kind of you know (laughs) so so walk us through the whole thought process because like i think a lot of people listening if they could play pro football they would want to play pro football what 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 were you weighing back and forth so i was a free agent and um i'm receiving some calls but nothing that's gonna you know make me jump too soon And, and if i do play let's say i'll play another one year, two years, 
God willing, tops, maybe three. You know what I mean? That's still not that long. You know what I mean? And in the grand scheme of things, this is an opportunity where I could get in the door with a great network, with a great position at a, at a desk on a premier college football show and be able to grow in the industry, continue to improve, continue to get better, and hopefully be able to do this career for 20, 30 years. You know what I mean? So it was kind of like a decision like that. And um, it all just kind of fell into position for me at the, at the perfect moment. And that's the blessing of it. You know what I mean? And, and like, I'm in a position 12 years in my career where I don't want to go somewhere that's just going to win. I don't want to go play for a team that's going to win six games or seven games. Like, if you're a true, legit contender, like, go ahead and give me a shout. Give me a call. Like, and I'll hear you out. I'll listen. But um, that ha- that wasn't the case, what was happening, um, you know, in my free agency. You know, there were some good teams that called, but nothing that I was just really to jump at. Nothing that was just, you know, um, making sense for the team were for me at the moment. So, um, was free, big opportunity with Fox chose it, man. Just talked to a lot of my family, praying on it, my wife, my kids, um, my father, my mother, my sisters, you know, some of my best people that's always been in my corner. And, um, it was just kind of like, it made, it made a lot of sense. So how close, like a year ago, Fox had some talks with you too. Um, cause they were negotiating with Reggie. Um, how close did you come to doing this a year ago? It was something I strongly considered. Um, yeah, they were doing, they were going back and forth with Reggie or whatever it may have been. I'm not sure what happened. I just know my, my, my market agent kind of said, you know, Fox, I'm going to have an opportunity for you. I'm like, I have an opportunity for me. This is like, after, I was like late June. I'm like, I, I just finished mini camp. Like, I'm playing this year. I'm on a roster. Like, what are you talking about? And, um, but they called and they pitched me and I'm, I'm very close to Aaron Andrews and, like just a few others, like John Vilma, who works for Fox, and just a few, several other people that had hit me up and reached out to me and was just like, man, Fox is top of the line, top notch, super professional, takes care of all their talent. And also the opportunity to know that these positions don't come up that much. I, I kind of, I know that too. I was on a team and I was focused on playing, so it wasn't time. I asked him, I was like, yo, like you guys were offering me my dream job if I wasn't currently occupied by my dream job, you know? So, I'm like, if we could do a futures deal, like we could do that. Um, if there's any time I could come work with y'all in the off season when I'm not with the team, I'll do that. But I just, you know, it's on my heart that I still want to play right now. And um, they were understanding. They didn't, was no tough, hard feelings, but, you know, it ended up going. I, I played, they did the show, and it came back around again. And that was like almost validation for me. That was like a second confirmation for me. Like, okay, I was on the team last year. Okay, I'm I'm free agent right now. Um, I'm getting this opportunity again. It was like confirmation. It was like validation for me. So I thought about it, prayed on it, and it was just a decision I didn't want to miss out on. So you've been watching TV, TV sports for pretty much your whole life. Yeah. Who are you uh, as you go on onto the set? Who are you going to try to pattern your uh, your career after? Who who's somebody that that did it well in your opinion? I think Nate Burleson did a tremendous job. I mean, look at the career he's had and the ascent he's made from, you know, good morning football to going to CBS, doing real, like, news and shows, like, and, you know, still being involved in the, in the football, too. I think his ascension from to, from being a broadcaster to, I think he's just gone, gone up and gone up. Obviously, there's several others. Shannon Sharp's done a great job. Obviously, you think about Shaq and, and Charles, what they're doing on, 
on the NBA show. Those are people who all are inspirational. Even Prime, when he was with NFL Network, like um, he did such an amazing job. So those are all people that kind of, you know, inspire you. And obviously the legends like Chris Berman, you know, Stuart Scott, you know, Scott Van Pelt does an amazing job. Like all those people are just the best at what they do, the best in the industry. You just try to learn, you try to grow, and you try to, you know, put your own personality and be yourself, but continue to learn, continue to positive, continue to grow. And that's something I'm looking forward to because I don't know everything, and um, but I'm excited about the future, and I'm, I'm just trying to be a sponge, soak up all the knowledge from everyone around me, and everyone's been giving out helping hands and encouraging words and advice. So I'm thankful for that. When you were a kid, and I think you might be too young, but did you watch NFL primetime and with Chris Berman and Tom Jackson? And what? Okay, of you course, did. Of okay. course I did. Mark Ingram. That's what he did for my dad. Yeah, he, no, that's he, what I was getting at. Yeah, yeah from Mark Ingram. And then, uh, and then I, when I was a rookie, he did it a couple of times. I was like, oh, that's super crazy. Like, that was dope. Like, so, I mean, who didn't watch NFL primetime? Like, that was the that was the highlight show. That was the go-to show on Sundays, you know? When you looked at Fox, did you have other opportunities as well at this point? Or this was just one of those where you're weighing playing, Fox has this great opportunity in college. Um, how did that go down? It was just kind of like an authentic, genuine thing. Obviously, that happened a year ago, so kind of had a history of dealing with, you know, Zager and a few of the, you know, executives and talking with some people and reached out to a few guys that was on the crew. And so I just kind of had a little familiarity there. And then, obviously, I told us to continue to play. And I'm glad I did because I would have regretted if I hadn't played. But because um, everything came full circle anyway. So everything happens for a reason, and God is good. So I'm thankful. But, um... Yeah, like, I was still very much into wanting to play, very much into training, which I still am, very much into trying to find a spot to, you know, that would be best for me in this point of my career, right? So I was very much into still playing, so I really wasn't looking for the opportunity to do something else, you know what I mean? And when this job kind of presented itself, it was just... I didn't really have too many other offers because it just kind of, it just kind of, it just popped up. You know what I mean? So it wasn't like I was out here, you know, sending my resume or interviewing. Yep. You know what I mean? It just kind of popped up, man. I didn't really have too many other opportunities. Um, you know, NFL Network, you know, always kind of treated me well and, and did right by me, and um, might be an opportunity there in the future. You know what I mean? But um, we'll see. You know, so Fox just they had the they had the job for me. They had the opportunity for me, and it's something that. As a man, all you, can, all you can ask for in this world is opportunity. So I'm thankful that they believed in me and they're giving me opportunity to go out here. And I'm trying to be an asset to the show, asset to the company. And um, we're trying to make big new kickoff a generational franchise. So we're starting that off this week. So how did you get in front of these uh, TV executives? Did you do some of the broadcasting boot camps in order to sort of, you know, uh, get, get forward that way? So what's interesting is they said I was on their radar when it was a Thursday night game. In, uh, in Baltimore, and it was me and Lamar. We were doing um, an interview, and Aaron gave me the mic and had me wanted me to interview Lamar. So we interviewed Lamar. I'm in there. I'm like, you know, she's like, send it to the studio. Send it to the studio. I'm like, you know what? Thursday Night Football in America, back to you in the studio. Trust. Like, me and Lamar, like, trust. Like, they were laughing, and they said that was, like, one of the funnest moments, like, that they had, and um, Aaron told me that her producer, who I just met over the weekend when I was doing um, the game with uh, the pregame with the Saints, he was the one that made the call. So I went up to him and I was like, man, thank you. 
<laughs> like, I appreciate you making that call to give me the mic on Thursday Night Football because I don't know if I would have been noticed by Fox. Like, you know what I mean? So, um, but yes, that story. Then also, I did do a, I did the broadcast boot camp. It was in February, February, March, sometime like that. And actually, producer uh, Bardia, who is one of my producers on Big Noon, he was my feedback guy when I did my studio session. So we go up on the studio, do our thing, go back, have feedback, go out there, get another rep at it. And so we kind of got tight. We was talking last year, like, you know, I was, I was oh, you were Big Noon? I was like, well, shoot, I was like, I was like, well, tell them about me. Like, you know what I mean? And uh, we just kind of got tight. We exchanged information. And um, we have a good relationship. And uh, that's another validator. That's another confirmation for me when the job did seriously start coming up. And uh, so I did do a broadcast boot camp, and I thought that was beneficial. And it was a lot of guys, and I think that's an amazing thing that the NFL is doing for some of the players that are current players and former players. I think that broadcast boot camp was very enlightening and um, very beneficial. So do you do you consider yourself retired from playing or no? I didn't officially retire. I didn't say to the Saints I'm retiring. I didn't say to the Ravens I'm retiring. I didn't say to the NFL world I'm retiring. But everyone's under that assumption because I took this job with Big Noon. So um, I am super content with my job, and I'm looking forward to my job. And I have every obligation and intention of fulfilling my job because I'm excited about it. But we're but, done. Like, you know, we're done, like – the first week of December. So if some team <laughs> is having trouble and uh, my big news schedule is over, you need a ball player for a legit run at a playoff. You got three, four regular season left and a playoff run. I'm the man for you. You know what I mean? So <laughs> there you go. All right. That yeah, could work yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me well, ask you. Actually, Andrew, I have a quick question on that. Like, like you can still play. It's pretty obvious. You can still play. Are you, have you thought about going to these games and like kind of seeing like, being jealous, wanting to get back on the field midway through? Man, I haven't been jealous at one point this offseason about training camp, about <laughs> going and covering preseason game number three. I have not had one thought in my mind like, dang, I want to get out there and play right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe when it's bigger games or, you know, or those, uh, you know, those playoff moments or those games where you're fighting for playoff spots or those rivalry games, like maybe it might trickle in. But I, I can't lie to you and tell you that I've been eager just to put on helmet and shoulder pads and get back out there and do team run and, and, and team blitz period in the middle of the 105 degree heat in Louisiana or down here in South Florida right now. I haven't been too eager. <laughs> Let's see how you do here. And I, I got a tough one here. All right. Um, John went to Maryland. How good is Maryland going to be this year? We, we have a Maryland connection. Certainly, you know, locks, right? Yeah, Loxley, I'm a big fan of Loxley. And, um, you know, Talia, is Talia gone over there right now? No, we still got him. He's uh, a senior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talia, I'm a big fan of, you know, him and his brother. So I'm rooting for the Terps. I'm rooting for the Terps. I hope that they turn it around and they make some noise in that Big Ten. So um, I'm a big fan of Loxley from his Bama days. He's always showed me love and been good to me. And obviously, um, you know, Talia, I'm rooting for him. And, um I'm excited to see what the Maryland Terps going to do this year. Turn it around, Mark. We've made two bowl games in a row. Come on, man. Hey, man, is that is that the is that the standard? Just a bowl game? <laughs> <laughs> Bell- 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 Park, it is. <laughs> Loxley, that ain't the standard for Loxley, but yeah, a bowl game is deemed as successful. So, yeah, 
right, we'll see. I, well, it is hard. You got to prepare. There's a lot. I mean, I know you. You're, you know, you're 12 years from playing. Like, it, it's a lot to know all these teams. Like, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of studying. If you did the NFL, it'd be a little bit easier than college because you know you're in the yeah. league. And yeah, that's 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 one of the things I've been doing a lot of my research. And it's been on a lot of the teams that we'll be, you know, covering on topics. And a lot of teams will first be covering the first four weeks. Been um, get doing some backgrounds. You know, the turnovers on the rosters are crazy. Um, and just getting back familiar with, especially Big Ten. Like, you know, I'm from Big Ten country, but you know, I've been in the league 12 years, always close to the SEC, watching Bama games, watching SEC. Then, so getting familiar with um, all the rosters on the Big Ten, the new coaches, um, the players. Uh, the, the 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 Big Twelve, the pack, like just getting myself reacclimated with the full landscape of college football. That's something that's been um something a point of emphasis for me, studying, learning, growing, and um that's why sometimes you ask me about Maryland. We, we're not really covering Maryland just yet, but I have been following them because of Loxley and Talia. So I I have a little familiarity. Yeah, no, I put you on the I'm spot not, there. I'm not big. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> I knew. I, I put I, you I on the spot the there all that right now you know what i mean and andrew i should say mike loxley used to be the offensive coordinator at alabama as the head coach yep. at, uh, at maryland yep. so. all right yep. all right yep. we'll have to watch that last thing for me who, who wins it all this year i got alabama doing it man come on man roll tide i got alabama doing it i got no doubting us no you're nobody with, believes in you're, us. you're with fox now though you got to pick a big 10 or big 12 team i, I think right to. i don't have to <laughs> but i do think michigan i do think michigan has the squad to do it this year but i'm just telling you I'm I'm not holding out belief on on my tie. My Christian tie. They have NFL talent, the best recruiting classes over the past 10, 10 to fifteen years. Um, NFL talent all over their roster. Now we get our quarterback situation situated. Jalen Milrow, his legs are athletically as good as anybody in the country. So if he can game manage this game, make some good decisions, make some good throws, Bama is dangerous. The road time is dangerous, and they don't, and they, and they hear the noise. They don't like it. They don't like it. So when everybody counts us out and everybody doubting us, that's when we thrive the hardest. So I'm, I'm, I'm going with the Christmas time. I'm going with Bama. I do have one more. Uh, I need your your best uh, Saban story. So it goes way back, right? So Coach Saban was. I don't want to be mistaken about this, but probably I think a a, a grad assistant when my father was playing at Michigan State. So. They used to go at it all the time. My dad used to tell me, used to be talking mess to Coach Saban, like Saban talking back to him or whatever. But one of Coach's jobs was to get my dad, like when he wasn't acting right, to go to class. So my dad's not in class. My, my dad's late to this, late to that. So he has to call my mom, like, yo, like, where's Big Mark at? He's missing class. He's missing this. Like, he's not doing this. And so he's in my house on a recruiting visit. And he wants to tell this story, but he doesn't know if the girlfriend is my mother or if it was like, or not. So, so he keeps going and my mom was like, he tells the story and she was like, yeah, that was me. You used to always call me looking for Big Mark. And um, continuing with that story, that's, that's funny, but it, it rolled right into this. So um, I'm like, I'm like, yeah. I'm like, so what you think about the program? You know what I mean? He was like, if you come here, your your first. This is all like the same sitting. So we go from like him like, um, not wanting to offend my mom or offend me, and then that getting clarified like, oh, you already had a relationship with my mom too. Then now he's talking about like, yeah, your first year if you come, he's like, we'll be a pretty good team. 
Okay, we went 12-0, and 0, lost in the SEC Championship 1 versus 2 to Florida. They went on one the National Championship. Then we lost our second game to Utah. We were kind of in the dumps. They jumped us in the super, they jumped us in the Superdome. So pretty good, 12 and 2, right? But then he was like, But your second year, I think we'll win the national championship. The second year, we go 14 and 0 and win the national championship. I'm like, coach, bro, you sat in my house in my living room and said this verbatim. Like, how did you know? He was like, Man, that was just a recruiting pitch, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that was just a recruiting pitch, man. I didn't really know. I'm like, so. Uh, I got a lot of different stories, but that's one that uh, is 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 a good story because it ties my whole family in the history of one of the reasons why I went to Alabama to also him being a freaking psychic, I guess. <laughs> there you go. Well, Mark, we appreciate your time, um, and we wish you the best of luck. Big noon kickoff. Uh, you grew up watching College Game Day. Now Big Noon is competing with College Game Day. Uh, yeah, Big Noon all day, baby. We up, we up. Big noon times big trust, big vibes. Starting on Thursday, Coach Prime at TCU on Saturday for the Big Noon Show is going up, man. So everybody tap in, everybody tune in. Even if you're not home, leave the TVs on Fox Saturday mornings. So we getting them ratings up. You know what I mean? <laughs> he got, he's got it, man. He's he's got it, man. He's got the promo down. Absolutely. Very yeah. good. Yeah. Thank you, Mark. Thanks no, for coming, man. You guys. All right. Thank All right thanks. Thank you to uh, Mark Ingram for spending the time with us. Uh, one thing that I want to take away from that that interview is you never know when you're going to make an impression on a TV executive. So for for Mark Ingram, that story about being in Baltimore and, and interviewing Lamar Jackson and uh, and just going to the boot camp and seeing Bardia, uh, th- those are just two things that popped in front of him and he, he sees the opportunity. Yeah, I think Aaron Andrews deserves a finder's fee. I mean, is she getting a little <laughs> cut here? Uh, maybe so. Uh, she has a good relationship with Mark, and that, that probably didn't hurt. And I know that Brad Zager has been very high on Ingram. It almost happened a year ago. I think that was real um, a year ago because there was negotiations with Reggie Bush that weren't going that well, and then this year they didn't go well at all. Uh, and so Ingram gets the, the opportunity, and I think he's smart. I mean, these type of jobs do not come open that often, um, and people can stay in them for a long time. And even though he still could play, um, potentially, uh, he, he, he saw the opportunity, and I think it's a smart move. Because how many years are you getting? Well, I just did an interview the other day with uh, uh, Devin McCourty, um, who's you know near Hall of Famer uh, with the Patriots, and uh, you know he talked about if he only if he could win, did he want to, like win a Super Bowl? Did he want to keep playing? You know, move his whole family if he had to leave the Patriots, and then if he stayed with the Patriots, could you win? Um, you know, you could do well, but maybe not win this year. Um, and so I, th- I do think that's something that guys, especially when they made a good amount of money, uh, have to consider. Well, we are at the end of another episode. Uh, a couple of shout outs. One to the master of the board, Chris Mason. Uh, as always, AC Wyatt uh, helps p- uh, put this all together. Uh, and as always, if you can uh, rate a uh, five star rating, give a review. Uh, we always appreciate that. And I will uh, we'll see you next week. Wait, John, uh, three, two. I called you John for some reason. Sorry. Loopers have started early. <laughs> you are John. Okay. And also, I got to be honest, sometimes I like kind of don't mind missing his points because he's frozen <laughs> like right now. No we all worries. have kids, man. We know what that's like. Yeah, yeah five of them, man. So there you go. I'm in my son's room right now because that's going to be the quietest place in the house. <laughs> Other than that, if I'm anywhere else, it's going to be just, it's not going to be good. So. I closed his door, locked it, and he's over there yelling under the door like, 
like, my bro, I'm in here. Leave me alone. Hey, we need to keep this in. We need to Big Noon kickoff. That's going to sound like peaceful to you in a couple. Oh minutes. yeah. No, hey, hey. I don't know if Big Noon kickoff got much on these on these five kids in here. They get it going. <laughs> they get some crowd noise going for you. <laughs> I can tell you're a dad right now. <laughs> you love dad. You love saying dad jokes. Dad jokes are the best. That's top line comedy. 